we want to tell you about our friend Heidi. She's an amazing artist and designer, and she is the person who's designed our new logo. It's amazing, and every day we notice another detail which some I missed before. You can also employ her services if you so wish, because she can do you a fantastic portrait of your dog or cat. Just send us some photos of your pet, and she'll put her own special talents to work, creating a work of art that is both unique and special to you and your special friend. But, <laughs> these are no ordinary portraits. No, no, no. She makes them into characters that accentuate their personality. She's done some themed as pirates, hillbillies, theatre ushers, old ladies and gentlemen, pilots. She even made one into Godzilla. You could even have one done of your pet as a mascot for your favourite ball team. Of course, if you just want a normal portrait, she can do that too. We really recommend that you go along to her website or Instagram page to see more of her work. Her website is www.angelbot3d, that's A-N-G-E-L-B-O-T-3-D.com. And her Instagram is at angelbot3d. You won't be disappointed. Oh, and incidentally, this is not a paid advertisement. It's a recommendation for a friend who's really talented. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast with your hosts, Shelley and Bella. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 46 of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast. Hi everybody. We're going to go straight into the show this time guys because we've got quite a long show for you. We're speaking to someone all the way from Australia, in fact she's south of Brisbane in a town called Ipswich. Her name is Harmony and she's going to tell us about an entity that she's been sharing her house with. So please welcome all the way from Australia, Harmony. Hi. Hi there. Hi, Harmony. Well, we heard about you through Instagram and we've been following your story on there. And before we get into the crux of this, I know that you're a little bit dubious initially about telling this story because of fears that people may think you were crazy. Absolutely, yes. (laughs) How has it been received so far? Well, I haven't had a single person yet to my face call me crazy. People seem a lot more interested and curious than doubtful and, I guess, ridiculing sort of thing. So I've been quite lucky and, yeah happy about that. I think that's probably because more people probably see things than they admit or experience things that, you know, that they don't want to admit. Yeah. And and I totally understand that. I didn't understand that before. You know, you watch um, shows and you see people that have kept stuff under their hat and you think, why didn't you just tell somebody? Like, how hard is it? Mm. But when you are actually in that position of experiencing things that in your rational mind, you, you're you saying to yourself, this can't be happening. It's not like, I don't think so. You, you're trying to shoot down any possibility of it, of it really happening. And, I mean, that's the way that I went into it. And being someone that I think is quite rational and quite unprone to jumping down the whole ghost avenue as soon as, you know, you hear a bump in the house, it took a lot. It took a lot 
for us to go, this is what we've got. So before we get into the story then, can you tell us a little bit of a background about you? Well, I am a mother of three. I have a 16-year-old son and I have a 10-year-old daughter and a just about to turn three-year-old little boy. And the eldest son and my youngest son, we all live in a house in Ipswich in Queensland that we're renting while we are renovating a house further up the street, which is which is a much older house, funnily enough. So we've been in the house for about uh, a year when anything strange began to happen or that I started to notice the, the strange stuff. But besides that, I mean, I'm just, I'm an athlete. <laughs> well, I call myself an athlete. I play roller derby for Brisbane. I've been a music teacher for most of my life. My partner is a pyrotechnician and he works on movie sets occasionally and does fireworks and things like that for special events and explosions and all that sort of business. So he's a very scientifically based minded kind of guy, which is is quite good to my musical sort of other <laughs> other side. Yeah, we're just pretty much run-of-the-mill people that aren't or weren't spiritual or overtly anything. We definitely aren't religious or weren't religious. It's, it's, I have to now say things in the past tense because our experience changed so much about how we used to think and now how we think. Yeah. But, yeah, we, we considered ourselves to be pretty normal, normal folk. <laughs> so what was the first sort of inkling that something wasn't quite right? Well, I think we had, you know, noises and things like that. that I, like anyone else, would just kind of shrug them off and say, okay, it's the wind or it's this, that and the other. It was things like the front door opening and or like the screen door, the, the first initial screen door opening and there would be nobody there. That was the first stuff that really started to go, well, hang on, that's not the wind. And I know I heard that. Like I, it was definitely someone opening the front gate before they got to it. Like there's a gate right near the front door at the top of a set of stairs at the balcony to stop anyone, you know, or a little child getting down the stairs. And I would hear the, the gate actually open and the gate wouldn't be open and there would be nobody there. So that sort of stuff was the first initial, okay, that's a bit strange. But we didn't for a second think anything paranormal of it. All these little things kind of happened for I don't know how long, but in the course of a week, these really, really noticeable and notable events began to happen. But it was only in the course of a week that it was really, really bad. We've still got it, but the bad stuff's gone. Prior to moving into that house, had you experienced anything strange? No, absolutely nothing. I I figured that I was kind of one of those people that just wasn't susceptible or open to anything you know I've always thought people may be in tune to something and that's why they see stuff or and I just didn't think that I was very sensitive at all because I had not had a single you know unexplained yeah experience that I could even remotely think of as paranormal so yeah this was a whole eye-opening different thing You mentioned that obviously prior to this, you weren't religious. You hadn't had any paranormal experiences or anything to speak of beforehand. So what was your impression of the paranormal? You know, if someone had come up to you in the streets and, and started to tell you things like, you know, we're hearing these noises, screen door, et cetera, et cetera, what would have been your kind of reaction to them? How would you have seen what they were saying? Well, I actually had, a, I, I believed in ghosts. I just thought that I wasn't someone that could see them. 
But right. I figured if there's so many people that have had these experiences that seem so rational and seem so, especially when there's been a lot of people witnessing, you know, the same event, I thought, well, you know, there's something in that. No, I found that whole stuff interesting. I liked scary movies. I liked, and notice I said liked. It's yes. Another thing changed. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was so I, I had a, you know, a pretty open mind to it. I, I definitely did not unbelieve people that claimed to have experiences. And my partner claimed to live in a house where, you know, strange little things happened there too where things were knocked off like blasphemous record covers were knocked off from the walls and they were the only ones that were knocked off. So he kind of had an open mind to this stuff as well, whereas, as I said, I hadn't experienced anything. So, yeah. <laughs> so over the course of the first week, you were saying that things started to add up a bit. So what happened? The thing that really got my attention, I guess, the most was just hanging out with my son in the kitchen. And as he was he was not quite two at this point. And so he was just kind of getting a grasp of talking and I was doing the whole bye-bye waving at him. And rather than wave back at me, he was waving at something else to the side of him. Oh, right. That was, that was kind of like, Next to the kitchen, there was a doorway and a hall, but I was standing at the other end, so couldn't see the hall where I was actually angled in the kitchen. But he was definitely waving at something else, and I thought, well, that's strange. He's not a, he's not sort of, he's very analytical like his father, his child. He doesn't, he's not prone to kind of imaginary friends or chatting away to himself. It's just something he doesn't do. Right. So that was weird. It was it was something that he was definitely looking at and was trying to wave at. That's how it looked. Again, I didn't go ghosts, but I thought, okay, that's that's interesting. I'll keep an eye on things. So I think that was the first time that it might have crossed my mind. And he didn't seem frightened by it. No, no, not at this point. Not at this point. He was, and it happened again not long after, but this time it was at the end of the hall. And he was sitting on the floor at the other end of the hall, just waving to something. But he was trying to get me to look at it as well. He kept, you know, mum, mum, mum and pointing. And there was nothing there that I could see. And I, that was when things started to get a bit more like, okay, um, now this is really interesting. Just because of how insistent he was that yeah. I look at whatever he was, he was looking at. And during this time too, I should mention that I was off like I play a sport religiously and I'd broken my wrist. So I was off training and I was kind of unable to do a lot of stuff because of the broken wrist. And one day, this is when things started to take a turn for, okay, this is, this could be, you know, something, something that I can't understand or explain. He was in an inflatable castle that we had living in our lounge room and he was lying on his back looking up at the ceiling, but he was yelling and screaming and kind of shielding his face from something that looked like it would have been above him. So mm. basically like floating in the air directly above him, but whatever it was, it was scaring the bejesus out of him. And I couldn't climb into the castle because of the cast on my arm. So I'm trying to coax him out with you know, Chase, just, just sit up and pop out. And he was just, it was like he could didn't even want to remove the arm from his eyes 
to mm. see what was above him. He was shielding himself. He was really, really troubled. I eventually managed to kind of one-armed. And it was really painful to watch it because I couldn't get in there quick enough because yeah. of this, you know, ridiculous injury that I had. So that was when I started to think, I think this is a problem. I think I think I've got something in this house and this part of you still that's going, are you just being paranoid? Like if you tell anybody this and you're just being paranoid, you're going to look like an absolute fruitcake. When he was shielding his face and, and you said that he was sort of screaming at something above him, was he saying any words that you could discern that, that might describe what it was he was seeing? No, and I wish there had have been, but there, there was never any descriptive term or until a little bit later, but I'll get to that mm, okay. in a bit. But uh, yeah, no, and I, I wanted to know what he was seeing so badly and I wanted to know, it was just, I think, just a lot of crying and maybe some no's, but that would have been probably the the crux of, of what he was saying. But, yeah, well, he was young as um, well, wouldn't he? He wouldn't have been able to maybe he, articulate. As I said, he wasn't quite two. Yeah, he right. was about 18 months old, I think, when this was happening. What would have happened after that? I kept seeing something out of the corner of my eye. See, it all sounds like such stereotypical, cliche, haunting stuff, the kids seeing somebody or seeing something. But I kept seeing something from the lounge out of to, to my right, which is it's kind of an open plan sort of lounge room, dining room area, but in the dining room. And it was something that only looked like it was probably about five inches off the ground and it was – just kept moving in the same spot and it happened like every few minutes it was getting ridiculous and I knew it wasn't a mouse and I knew we didn't have anything like that in the house and you can usually see a glimpse of those things you usually see like the brown kind of Mm. but this was weird it was almost like I could I could just see movement but I could not see a shape or a color or a it was just movement and it was just something that just like what was that but I it just kept happening and that's Another thing that had me going, I don't know what quite that is. And I still didn't speak to anybody, including my partner, because I didn't know what he'd think. <laughs> I think he'd say you watch too many scary movies, which is what I was kind of saying to myself through throughout this whole thing. Yeah, you're home a um, lot more because you're injured, you're just your mind's working overtime, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's exactly how it was. I'd just been stuck inside with Chase for days on end at this point too so I was kind of just being a little hard on myself for even thinking that and that's what I mean Chase is talking to something I'm seeing something out of the corner of my eye he's just been screaming at something in his jumping castle and I was still not prepared to go I think I've got something in my house so (laughs) yeah it took a little bit more convincing the then one day I was lying on the lounge. So this is, again, still all in that week period. So this might be the day after the castle incident. It could even be the same day. It's hard to actually remember because I didn't put it into context until after the climax, if you will. But um, I was laying on the lounge and I was talking to a friend about it only the other day who wanted to know the story. And I don't talk about this story to anybody. It's just a close family and that's it. And that's if they need to know sort of thing. <laughs> what happened was I saw this thing like float across, like I'm lying down on the lounge, just kind of, I guess, worn out from Chase. And this, it was like a transparent sort of, you know, when you have these transparent little blotches on your eyeball when you might look at the sun or something. Yeah. And they kind of move with you, you know, they move with your eye and you can never really, it was like one of those, just this line. It wasn't a, sh- a full shape. It was just a line, like a foot 
probably about a foot long too. So I knew it wasn't like an eye worm or whatever those things are. And it just kind of floated across my line of vision from where I was lying on the lounge. And I, again, just thought, oh, your eyes must be tired. Don't think much of it. But then I heard footsteps in the hallway. And these were like unmistakable adult, I've got to get somewhere footsteps, mm. not like little faint ones or just slightly audible or I had to, you know, really put the work into it to make out the, foot, the footprints. It was someone walking in my house and I'm looking at Chase and there's no one else home and, yeah, I think that's when I thought there's something. I, I was still just kind of curious about it at this point, like, oh, you know, maybe I've got a ghost. This is kind of interesting. Mm, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> silly, silly thought. <laughs> And then I think maybe the next day after, you know, I've, I've kind of gone, okay, something's going on. But there was still a part of me that was fighting it. Like, no, because it still, I still hadn't completely, yeah, I wasn't really looking at everything as a haunting at this point. I just thought, oh, that's kind of weird. I'll keep an eye on how things go and it could be just that. Yeah. But I went into the bathroom and this is the... The PS de resistance, as I like to call it, where I called it the following day because I kind of knew that it was a climax when it happened. But anyway, I was in the toilet. As I walked in there, it was like I'd heard a male, like I was overhearing a conversation between maybe two men. And I'd heard one of them say something like, oh, how about we give schizophrenia a try? And it was just the oddest, strangest thing, but it didn't actually sound like it was coming from in the room. It sounded like it was almost planted inside of my head. It was the strangest thing. And I thought, what a random thought. And then secondly, I thought, why would I be having random thoughts in a masculine voice? You know, you yeah. rattle off stuff to yourself in your own voice yeah. generally. So I kind of just thought that's that's weird, that's interesting. And I didn't really, yeah, expect it to be what it was, what that it was actually like a threat in a way. So fast forward to that evening and the family had gone to bed and as usual I was the last person to get down for the night and I was in the bathroom and I was about to brush my teeth and I think I dropped the toothpaste on the ground. I jumped, something had dropped on the ground that I bent down to pick up. All of a sudden it was like a chorus of I don't even know how many male voices. Again, it was male I don't know why, so I don't think it was a psychological kind of weird hallucination, but it was like just being abused by about 100 male angry, angriest you've ever heard voices. But the thing that happened with this just moment, and it only lasted a moment, was that this feeling, and this is the hardest part or was the worst worst thing I've ever felt in my life, it was like a feeling getting injected into you or like an atomic bomb of just every negative, horrible, like with despair, just hurt, just black. And black was really the only thing that I could think of to describe it. And blackness in feeling is so hard mm. to explain because it's not, it wasn't like a normal emotion of, oh, I just felt a bit sad or, oh, gee, wow, I felt really, you know, really down. It was it was nothing like that. It was like an atomic bomb for a second of just pure evil and bad and dark and just it made me spring to my feet, run down the hallway, out the back door to just catch my breath. But this thing felt so intensely bad 
And it just lasted for just that moment that the voices were going, but it almost felt like being grabbed and just pulled down into utter black for just a few seconds. And it was that intense that I was literally terrified of what else this thing could do. Sorry, what were the voices saying? Well, that's uh, trying to recall what they were saying is it's really tricky because they were all kind of yelling different things, but it was just insulting, like swearing and, you know, you're this and you're that and you're, it was just abuse. Like it's all I remember, but I think it was such a stunning moment to have this, you know, emotional feeling. Well, I can't even call it a feeling. It was just an incredible like emotional attack, I, I guess, that it's hard to actually recall what the voices were saying, but it was just abuse and it was lots of just, yeah, you're this and you're, but all in unison and just coupled with this amazing, in terms of being absolutely terrifying feeling that I can never, ever explain to anybody because it's just, I don't think there are words to, to describe this feeling except for black, just the worst thing so ever. So was it black in terms of sort of a fear or a worry or was it black in terms of anger? No fear and worry and just absolute loss of hope and it was like it was just as if it's weird because it felt for a split second like I guess uh, when I was able to think about it the next day it took me a day to even try and think about it it was that terrifying but it almost felt like if you were say a poor person that had maybe the world's worst case of schizophrenia just hearing a chorus of abusive voices and it was the feeling of being stuck in despair and just no hope of getting out of it or no hope of seeing anything you know light it was just devoid of any positivity or and it was the worst and most terrifying um sensation so this happened in in the evening you said you were going upstairs to brush your teeth getting ready for bed i take it your partner was home and your kids were in bed yep exactly they're all in bed for the night already so did they hear anything (laughs) obviously they must have heard you or certainly your partner probably heard you run down the stairs you said you ran down the stairs and out of the house for a a couple of seconds so what was his reaction at that point did he hear you I think he had slept through everything and I don't no one else heard anything in terms of what I heard in the bathroom which was really frustrating (laughs) so it follows what you said earlier then about the kind of the the voices almost being implanted in you rather than it being a auditory audible sound that other people could hear that's right exactly yeah it was it was it was like something had just been kind of placed there in the most horrible way of yeah and and that's the thing it didn't feel like the voices were actually in the room and that was another scary part of it because I thought maybe my brain invented that whole experience. There's still this part of me trying to make yeah, some sort of reason. Like sense. maybe maybe there's something wrong with you mentally. <laughs> yeah, like maybe I just had some sort of absolutely what the hell was that every bad emotion I've ever stored in my brain. Like, And then that scared me probably even more because then I thought if I'm capable of doing that once, I'm capable of doing that again. And I, yeah, I didn't really want, I, I didn't think it was possible even for myself to, to try and even recreate anything like that. It was literally like a bomb going off and it only lasted for that few seconds and then it was, it was gone. I'm just going to ask, before you carry on with the story there, I'm just going to ask because I'm sure other people may wonder the same thing. You mentioned that you were off because of an injury. Were you taking any sort of medication in terms of painkillers or anything like that at the time? 
Absolutely not. No, nope, nothing okay. like that. All right, excellent. Okay, so yeah, carry on. <laughs> and I was I was completely awake too because I'm yeah. one of those people that it takes a fair while to to get to sleep once I've put my head down. So I wasn't in one of those you know mid slumber sort of which I know you can kind of you know maybe dream partially. It wasn't like that at all. It was yeah, it was just a stunning, stunning thing that coupled with yeah the worst feeling I've ever felt. So after this, the next morning I had to do a lot of work on the internet and I was kind of just trying to distract myself because this was really important stuff that I had to do for a roller derby website and I'd arranged to be like take over their website for a little probably about three hours in the morning. So I'd worked really hard at, you know, getting this all together and just distracted myself from the whole last night episode but I felt absolutely hideous. Like I felt like I was just kind of on eggshells. I just felt panicked. I felt um, like I was literally having panic attacks at just very simple things, which is not me at all. Well, there was probably an element of insecurity because you're probably now doubting your own mind. Well, yes, definitely. And there was still that fear, like was that me or was that? But then when I actually put the that weird thing that I'd heard in the toilet earlier in the day. It was like I just had this sudden feeling and it was almost like a realisation that it wasn't me at all. This thing had actually bullied, pardon my French, the shit out of me. And that's how I felt. I really felt bullied. And so I've done this thing, my this web thing the following morning and my partner's come home and he said, you know, how did it all go? And I was like, look, I yeah, just... I've had a terrible morning and he he was like what didn't it go very well and I said look I need to talk to you but I don't want to do it in this house I need to get you out of the house and you know he was looking at me like what are you going on about but I really didn't I felt like something could be listening to me yeah and this is where you start feeling a bit nutty you're like "Mm." Um, but I did I felt like I felt bullied and I felt like I had been like emotionally violated by something that I had no chance of fighting against and it was almost like all these pieces just kind of fit together and it was like no this is what's happened and that was terrifying as well because you like feeling this thing I can't express how hideously bad it was that you know you're wondering when it's going to happen next so I don't know if the panic attacks were just a result of being like when is this is it going to happen again is Chase something going to happen to Chase? Sorry to um, interrupt, but are you now in a different, you're still in that place? Yes, we are. Right, we okay. Are, but then, there was a happy ending, thank goodness. Well, <laughs> it's a, continue, a continuing ending, I guess. So I, I got my partner out of the house and I explained to him, just I broke down and was an absolute mess telling him what happened. I think he was just looking at my face thinking, she obviously looks like she's rattled and I think he believed me just for that reason alone. He didn't doubt me at all and he went, okay, maybe we stay at our old house that we're renovating. We went up there for a few hours and I still felt just dull and dark and kind of lethargic and not myself, like I felt weird. I don't know why I didn't, I wanted to go back to the house. I, only could, I could only stay at the old place for a few hours before I thought, you know what, I had a feeling that it wasn't going to do it again, but there was something worse that I was kind of suspecting. And I said, I think it's kind of like 
something stuck to me. I feel like I'm carrying it when I leave the house. We've left the house. I don't feel like it's changed anything. I don't know why I felt like this. It's just these. It's just how I felt at the time. And so we went back to the house and I thought maybe it was Aaron's uh, presence because nothing else happened. The night was fine. I still had this horrible feeling and just it was good that he believed me. So I had someone to talk to about it, even though I didn't want to talk really after the initial the initial informing him of it all. So I, I was still like sitting with a, a fairly decent amount of terror in me and I needed to know that whatever we had was gone. I didn't want to just think, okay, we, maybe it won't happen again. I knew that something needed to be done. It was either stuck to me, I felt like shit, or it was in the house, which I was pretty sure of. And at this point too, I have to add that everybody else in the house had heard footsteps and it wasn't until after when we all compared notes that I knew that. So they'd all heard things and my son had heard doors. We've heard my partner had woken up because of the footsteps, which is hard to wake him, period. <laughs> um, so, so I had a little bit of validation and stuff going for me here. But so the night of telling him, I actually Googled a spiritual healer. I'm like, I need a spiritual healer. Okay, I don't want to go to a priest because I don't want someone just like, and this is, you know, we, we weren't religious, even though I'm baptised a Catholic. <laughs> we didn't, I didn't want, as per the movies I've watched, someone chanting Bible passages at something and infuriating it and then leaving me to deal with a, the you know, a really angry, yeah. yeah, a terrifying thing. And I just thought that there was a good chance of that happening if I just reached out to the church. So I found a guy who had a website that actually looked normal. It didn't have, you know, pictures of demons and ghosts and ghouls and stuff. It, it was very scientific and matter of fact, maybe not scientific, just very matter of fact. And he'd been healing for a long time and he had books written about him. And I thought it's worth a shot, you know, and <laughs> I texted this guy, just look, there's something really dark in my house. I didn't go into all the details. I just said, I just feel like I need to see somebody like Pronto were willing to pay the emergency healer's fee and while I'm doing this again I'm thinking this is just crazy you're googling a spiritual healer and I didn't really want to tell my partner what I was doing I just kind of sat there and and did it and only told him afterwards and the fellow got back to me I think the following morning so I had a pretty anxious night because yeah I was I was terrified of being in the house at this point and he said that he was out of the country. I thought, great. But he was going to get me in touch with a, another healer that was about two hours south from where we were and that she would be in contact with me. I thought, great. The next morning my partner went to work and it was the first time that Chase and I were to be left in the house by ourselves since all the scary stuff really. And I think, yeah, lunchtime he started to speak to something and he was agitated by it he wasn't crying and screaming he was just a bit um whingy about it and it was just panic set over me again and I had to get us like nothing happened it was just there was this feeling suddenly in the house that I had to get Chase out whether it was my own anxiety or whether it was something kind of just pushing us out of the house or he just his reaction to something in the house was enough to make me get us out of the house So I have my broken wrist and I'm so desperate to get away that I can't even push little Mr. One in a pram. So I had to make him walk, holding my hand, probably for about a kilometre to the nearest shops, 
where I stayed in the shopping centre, just pushing him around in a trolley at this point, barely with my one hand, rang my partner and said, you need to come home. I don't want to go sit back in the house. But then the healer lady called me while I was walking around in the shops and she said she could see me that very afternoon. And so, yeah, this is where just it gets crazier again. So we um, drove down to this lady and I went in there and I laid on a table with her for about four hours thinking, I don't know whether this is, again, going to work and it's nuts or if I'm praying at this point, like absolutely praying that it worked. I was reciting the Our Father in my head over and over again. I'd had to Google it so I could remember it from <laughs> my youth. And, and I also bought a crucifix at the shops while I was walking around. And it, for some reason, it gave me this sense, it stopped the panic. I looked at this crucifix in the jewellery shop. I just was looking for anything to give me peace. And it, suddenly I had this feeling of relief. It didn't last for that long, but I said, I need to get that. Give that to me now. And it's still around my neck to this day. But um, so anyway, I went down, I laid on this table for this lady and she was like an energy healer you know she did things with her hands we told her what happened first like the whole experience and she was just kind of like yeah that's just this is all normal stuff it's almost like a reiki type thing is it yeah well i guess i didn't know much about reiki at the time but it, it was a little bit more than that she knew things and she could you know she was telling me stuff about my mother straight up and weird stuff that yeah it was that was a bit like okay that's strange But when she got me on the table, I said to her, I don't know if this thing has actually stuck itself to me or if, but I feel noticeably different. And so after I've been on the table for like maybe 10 minutes, she had her hands over my belly area. And this woman did this for a business. This wasn't like a little backyard thing. She actually had a massive banner out at her front gates, which it was all in this beautiful rainforest sort of area, but at a front gate, so it was spiritualhealer.com. I thought, could you get any more Google? I thought, <laughs> so she had a, you know, a separate little granny flat, if you will, where she, she obviously did her healings and stuff like that. And she was a Polish lady, beautiful, beautiful woman. So she, after 10 minutes, she has her hands around my belly area and she says, just kind of quietly, she leans down towards my head as if someone's listening and she's, says, yeah, you actually have an attachment. It's just like they're always in the belly, but it's just here. But, you know, you don't worry about that. And I'm thinking what the actual... Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't worry. You've got something attached to you. It's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, and she's just so matter-of-fact about it. Like, you know, this is just, you know, what I do for a job. It's just like making hamburgers. Okay. So <laughs> she spent about um, like literally four hours and it seemed to fly by me. And she just, all she required from me was just breathing deeply. Okay. So relax, breathe deeply. And she just went around and did her thing around my head and feet. And, but I, I did feel something going on. And it was, it, you're not sure if it's just I'm a bit traumatized at this point by the, you know, the week's kind of events. So whether it was that, but I actually did feel something. And what struck me is that I actually felt this woman's. I felt something coming out of her hands through my cast, my plaster cast on my wrist. And that was like, whoa, <laughs> I can actually feel. And she was running her hand down my belly. But as she passed the area on my cast, it was like a warm pen being dragged down my arm. And I thought, well, that's crazy. You know, I can feel this thing. She did this thing where she told me to imagine that my belly had a, like a, an open sort of portal with a door spinning, I think, in a clockwise motion. 
And then she held a cupped hand. Told she said, if you want to go in there and have a look, like mentally picture the thing and have a look around, and which I didn't want to do because I didn't know if I would, you know, if I was going to be making up imagery. I just thought, just do what you have to do, and you know, yeah. <laughs> hopefully this works. And so she kind of has this cupped hand above my open, you know, portal stomach, and she said, when I when I bring it down towards your stomach, as it touches your stomach, I want you to sit up and open your eyes like you're staring at something with great force. You know, really sit up, really open your eyes. I thought, okay, it's going to look a bit ridiculous, but I'm prepared to do anything. So she did this. And then she had to do it about three or four times, and that scared me as well. It was because on the last one she, and I felt like something actually had a bit of blackness had come out of myself. And that is, again, it's so hard to describe how that felt. But she got her hands and she went, without me saying anything, she went, that was a yucky one. Like she had to go and wash her hands. She was like she had sticky something on her hands from what she was doing. And I thought, okay, that's, again, strange. So um, she finishes this at three, like now you're done. Now you're cooked, I think was how she she put it. You're cooked now. And I was like, so are you sure that, you know, we're, we're good. I can go home and sit on the lounge like a normal person again. And she she brings out a bottle of holy water in a spray bottle, like what you do to your cat, I guess, when it's getting on the lounge. And a crucifix. And this is where it's getting a bit a bit Hollywood for me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I hope nothing happens when she sprays me with this. And I'm still laying on the table and she sprayed it like in a fine mist above my body and put the the crucifix onto me, onto my forehead. And I didn't, you know, hiss or my head didn't spin and nothing bad <laughs> happened. And I thought, okay. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, that's, that's reassuring that she's done that. And, that, you know, at least that'll make me feel like something maybe happened. I think we paid her $200 for the four hours of this woman standing over me, which in hindsight, it was invaluable and it was priceless what she did. So I, I went home in the car. And the story won't go much longer. I know I've been talking your ears off, but no, it's, no, it's no. actually it's interesting. It's cathartic to speak about it when I don't really speak about it. So yeah, <laughs> we don't mind. So driving home, I still kind of felt, you know, a little bit anxious about going home. So I didn't really think anything had greatly changed. And we got home, and Chase started. St- yeah, he did. He started to talk to something again, and I just kind of jumped up from the lounge and made some sort of grunted comment to my partner that you know it didn't work I can still see he's still seeing things there's still things around and I went into the bathroom again I think that's like my I can hide from the baby spot so Mm, yeah regardless of this horrible thing happening I didn't feel like I was being threatened in the house anymore so that was a good thing but I was still a bit nervous but the weirdest thing I noticed in the quiet of the bathroom was that everything was quiet it was like I mean I'm a musician I have been for most of my life. I've always got a song playing or something, a list going on that I have to do. There's just always something going on and there was nothing. And I thought that is really, really, really strange. But good, you know, maybe this woman cleaned out a lot of a lot of stuff that I had floating around. The next morning I woke up and it was, now this is the part that sounds the nuttiest of all, but I felt so unbelievably, unbelievably, amazingly good. It's just indescribable. It was almost like I thought maybe she'd put me under hypnosis or something and it was like a delayed hypnosis that took, 
you know, half a day to kick in or something or, you know, overnight sort of thing to start. Um, it was just such a weird euphoric, absolutely 100% euphoric feeling. And the thing is, this didn't last for a moment or a day or, you know, seconds like the scary thing in the bathroom. This lasted for eight days mm. and I had to keep a diary of it and I had to, um, like, it was just so extraordinary what was going on. I kept a video diary of it. I, yeah, I just journaled. I journaled. I knew it was something that I needed to document because it felt more profound than having children. It was just such an incredible, um, weird feeling. And it was a feeling of like, this is where it feels nutty of feeling a higher conscious, like, you know, the higher spirit or God, if you will, you know, and I quince when I say God, because, but that's how it felt. I felt like I had something communicating with me for eight days that was just nothing but pure positive good it was like everything around us and in that eight days it just literally changed my life like I don't know I know that this woman removed something from me and my partner now I think after a year of seeing that how much I guess I've changed yeah I think he's a hundred percent like and he just thinks it's a you know it's just a matter of fact thing which he just removed something of you and just revealed all the stuff that was already there but because this the strangest part besides the whole I'm feeling you know something bigger than myself that I didn't really believe in before and now my whole belief system's thrown into you know massive turmoil or not turmoil it was blissful turmoil yeah yeah it was so strong that really the only people that I felt were close well they surpassed my experience but the only people that I felt had had similar experiences were people that had had near-death experiences where they feel something much bigger than themselves and they, but they see things. I didn't see anything, but I felt like I was in this whirlwind of euphoria. And the way it stopped was the strangest, strangest thing. And this is day eight. We'd gone into um, the Gold Coast for the day and returned home. And I'd been feeling, okay, everybody else's, I felt like I could feel other people's stuff, like, emotions not what they're thinking but emotions I could it was almost like you'd become more sensitive yeah it was like when you if having your ears cleaned out and you can just feel everything it was like this woman had cleaned out so much junk that suddenly I was just sensitive to even plants (laughs) walking into the gardening section of the local hardware store just felt amazing it was just the strangest thing and I thought this is weird but by day eight it was starting to get just tiresome it was euphoria for non-stop eight days almost like I should slip something in the water it does seem almost like hypnosis you know but that's exactly how it felt it was so like such an altered state of my normal consciousness was completely changed and all I'd done at the lady's house was drunk some water and I said to my partner you know did you drink the water as well and he was like actually no I didn't I thought great but it it was a delayed thing this didn't start you know the moment that I walked out and I didn't expect any great sort of any reaction to what she was doing but hopefully not feeling the anxiety that I was feeling and that was as as good as I thought it was going to get from seeing this lady and yeah I, I wasn't prepared for what I felt afterwards and there was part of me that felt a bit you know I want I had to speak to her again about it I, I did see her again about two weeks later and I explained it all to her then and she just kind of looked at me like you know oh, well that's not supposed to happen you know you're not supposed to be feeling other people's stuff and I'm like wait I am feeling other people's stuff don't know why don't really want it you know <laughs> how do I how do I stop this and she just kind of that just puzzled me a little bit because 
and and I felt a bit let down to be completely honest, not by her, but just that I couldn't get some sort of answer as to what what to do or that she knew this was going to happen or that she had any sort of, oh, that's just normal because she didn't give me any of that and it was a bit weird. Do you think that maybe you had this attachment, if that's what we're going to call it, for an extended period of time maybe outside of that week but maybe you'd had it for years and maybe it was suppressing your emotional sensitivity for a long period of time and then when it was lifted then I I suffered with a lot of pain going back a couple of years ago and it was constant and I didn't realize how much pain I was in until the pain went and then I suddenly thought wow I feel better now than I have in years and years and years what's going on exactly do you think that maybe it could have been a similar sort of thing You've just explained how I feel about it 100%. And it was a weird thing because synchronicity was happening a lot in this week. Like I would think of things and, you know, just weird coincidental crazy stuff was happening. And I was saying to myself, how long has this thing been in me? And this is, I think, on the drive back from the second visit to Anetta. And notably nothing crazy happened after the second visit, which was a bit, you know, but it's just, I guess, a proof that the first thing she did was kind of crazy and it worked. But as I was asking how long I could have possibly been having this thing for, we went past a, an ice cream factory that had a great big sign on top of it that said since 1976, which is the year that I was born. And mm. I kind of thought that it was just a, cra- a crazy coincidental thing, mm. but just something that stood out like as soon as my eyes saw it it was like I was being told something and that's how it felt it was something like uh, what I was feeling I'd never felt before it wasn't like oh I feel like the old me this was like a whole different uh, yeah I'd never ever felt like the person that I since still feel like which is marvelous really (laughs) from my perspective Whatever she did was marvellous. So after the eight days, what kind of happened then? Did it just... We went out for the day and we'd come home and Chase started talking to something again in the kitchen and he wasn't troubled by it. It was just like a little bit of just small talk, whatever it was. But I went into the bathroom. I was just kind of frustrated. I was, I'd been in this eight-day cycle of crazy, you know, stuff. Went into the bathroom again. It must be where I do all my deep thinking. And this isn't the toilet, mind you. It's separate. So... <laughs> I went, I went in there and I said to the universe or to the, to the air in the bathroom, if you will, I said, if this is my, if feeling energy is my new normal or is going to be my new normal. And I remember that the word normal was the last word that I said in my head. I don't think I said it out loud. It was just a very direct mental question. But as soon as my, the end of the word normal, like right on the L letter, the euphoria stopped. And I mean, just suddenly stopped. Everything suddenly felt like normal. Er, I mean, different but normal. And it was almost it was it was funny because the question I'd said was, okay, so if this whole feeling energy is supposed to be my new normal, right on the word normal, everything stopped almost like whiplash speed. It was just a sudden stop. And it's it's like I guess being. I mean, it's not like being drunk, but it was it was akin to being you know maybe drunk and then instantly sober. Like in an instant, it was the strangest, most, I guess to me it was a really definitive moment that I was being told something. And, yeah, ever since then, feeling other people's stuff has been my new normal. But um, she didn't get rid of all the stuff that was in the house. 
the bad stuff was gone. Whatever was attached to me, I guess, was the bad stuff that was making the whole house feel like rubbish and making me feel like rubbish. So the anxiety was was completely gone. The um, the house felt a lot better, but Chase was still talking to things. And it was almost as if just there was a procession of things for just a few days after the whole healing thing. So when I, while I was still having this euphoric experience, there were still things going on, things like someone cooking sausages in the kitchen while I was home alone and my partner was doing a fireworks um, wedding. And it was, you know how obvious sausages smell when they're being cooked? There's, they're unmistakable. Mm-hmm. And someone was in the kitchen cooking them and then the smell would just disappear. And this only happened the one night. And then it would start again 20 minutes later and disappear. And I thought maybe it was the old lady that had built the house. I knew the history of the house as one family before us. And I thought maybe whatever this nasty thing was, now that it was gone, I thought maybe the old, older lady had popped in just to say hi and cook some sausages <laughs> in the kitchen. So I kind of found myself going, look, if that's you, you know, I'm going to look after your house. Thank you for your house. You need to go and be happy somewhere. We're good. And that's how it's kind of been ever since. I haven't felt her or smelt sausages and that hasn't happened. But Chase still talks to something that he calls, I don't know if it's puppy or if it's bubby. So it's Mm. either a baby or it's a dog. And this is the one that I've put on Facebook where he's pointing up at the top of the cupboards. And it's always on top of the cupboards and on one side of the lounge room. So they're, they're only two spots and they just always appear in the same spots. But it's not threatening and it's not, yeah, there's nothing intimidating about it and Chase certainly isn't bothered by it, hence why we're still there. And it's actually really started to die down now. So it almost feels like we're, and I should knock on wood now that I've said that. Yeah, Um, (laughs) definitely. It's gotten, yeah, a lot more peaceful and he's not really, it was a daily thing of him talking to it and it hasn't happened for uh, a week or so at the moment so fewer and, and further between but oh now I'll come up there <laughs> uh, that's okay looking at your Instagram there's a few images on there that are quite shocking you've got one the bruises yeah so you've got one here this was uh, day three after experiencing the most terrifying series of events that led us first to seek help my right thigh buttock and lower back were covered in these finger like marks so you've got that one mm-hmm. and then you've got Another one where you're actually showing pictures of scratches or welts on your skin. So when did all of that happen? When did that come into it? The actual bruises and things, they were happening well before the week of terrifying stuff. The first lot in the Instagram page had happened probably months before, which, you know, lends to the fact that we had something going on for a lot longer or to me for a lot longer. I showed my partner and he's like, well, you thrash around in your sleep a bit. And I thought yeah. there is that's the side that I sleep on. How can I be, you know, their fingerprints, they, they look like finger, finger They do. Marks. They look like and fingerprint bruises, little fingerprints, mm-hmm. yeah. They weren't quite bruises. They were more like um, they were kind of, they wouldn't rub off or anything like that, but they weren't like sore to touch or, mm. and they would disappear after about two days. But, yeah, they still, they lasted for a few days. But, they yeah, they didn't disappear in the way that bruises would. So they were just baffling me and my partner's thinking you know that I'm doing it myself and I'm thinking I don't think so but you question yourself again how else could it be happening and then the second lot which were terrible I had them well wasn't the second lot this has probably happened about four times maybe um so that last lot 
it was actually the day, and I don't know why I've put it in there a few days. Oh, no, because I would have taken the photo a few days after. Okay, mm. I get it. The day that the bruises actually came out was the day that all of the terrifying crap happened. So, because I remember just looking at them with just like, oh no, I've got to be on, you know, I'm going to be online roller skate. Well, I was going to be in roller skating gear on the web. And here I've got these marks all over my leg and, mm. you know, up my back. So I, was, I, I didn't look at it as, oh shit, that's, you know, could be a ghost. I looked at it as, oh shit, that's really inconvenient. And, <laughs> just wanted to get rid of them as quickly as trying to put things on them. So I didn't photograph them at first. It was just a matter of getting rid of them. But it was it was terrifying. They were all the way up, you know, my buttocks and my lower back from like basically my knee, like the top of my knee, and they curled around to my back and went up towards my back. And that was the last time that I really had the, like was covered in things like that. But that's just those ones. We've had on our show before guys from the Supernatural, Paranormal and Explain Network. And I spoke to Drew, one of the members the other day, and mentioned the fact that I was going to be talking to you today or that we were going yeah. to be talking to you today. And I asked him if, as an investigator, whether he had any questions that he wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to know whether when the things were occurring whether you had any sense that they were about to occur so whether you suddenly had maybe heightened anxiety or there was a temperature change or a smell or anything like that that would maybe give you some kind of indication that something was going to start happening yeah the sausage that felt comforting for some strange reason it just felt like someone I don't know letting you know that they're there but in a really nice sort of way yeah with in a homely way yeah no, I don't think yeah. it's a nice way because I would have wanted some and there wouldn't there wouldn't yeah. be any for me to have. <laughs> they did smell pretty good. Like wherever she got her snags from, they were pretty good. But <laughs> yeah, there was a there was definitely a sense of apprehension a few times. Like when I would see things out of the corner of my eye, and that's I guess why I was asking myself, am I just being paranoid? But there was that little bit of but I'm not a normally an anxious sort of person. But as for smells and temperature drops and things like that. No, I don't recall any anything like that happening, and that would have been something that I would have I would have probably noticed straight away. But then again, we have an air conditioning unit right above where Chase was lying in his jumping castle that afternoon. Right. So you know there could have been temperature drops, but because we have this blasting thing, yeah, it would have been hard to denote any of them. So. Okay, and he also wanted to know, did the activity happen at certain times of day or night or when there was only certain people around? I know that you said when your partner wasn't in, it tended to Mm -hmm. be more prevalent, if you like. Yeah, no, I don't think it it discriminated about time of day. I think what it was was when I was alone or when Chase and I were alone. So, yeah, it it was happening in the daytime. You know, I was seeing things in the daytime. Chase was having a lot of... A lot of his all his conversations basically were in the daytime. But yeah, I was seeing things at night. Felt like I was being watched at night. That still happens in the house. I still don't like sitting in the lounge room once my partner's gone to bed. It's just a certain doorway where I just feel like there's someone standing there looking at me and I just kind of shift across the lounge to a point where it can't you know, where yeah. I'm out of its view. Mm. But yeah, so I, I there was that sense of being watched and it was a really foreboding kind of feeling that yeah, I still am not 100% safe, but that was a ghost or not my paranoia of feeling it. But yeah, it, it, that stopped. So that makes me 
except for the the watching of the night. It only happens when Aaron's gone to bed. I don't feel it in the daytime when I'm sitting on the lounge by myself. It's just a nighttime when Aaron's not around. You mentioned that you knew the history of the property and that there was a lady that was in there before. What was the history of it? Was it just a a normal sort of just a, a family home, elderly people, they died, the house became vacant? Is that the kind of thing or? Yeah, they, the people that lived, the only other family that lived there had built the home. And from what I'd learnt from the neighbour who'd lived there for a long time was that they'd, uh, once they'd raised their children, they'd moved off. I think the wife might have died in the house. Yeah, I think she might have passed away in the house, I think. And the husband passed away in a nursing home from what I can gather. Right. Yes. So I know that they're both gone and I'm pretty sure that she went in the house. But um, we've only, yeah, only ever felt her that one time when I could smell sausages because it was just so definitive that that's, I felt like it was her in her kitchen. And the people that we rent off just bought the, bought the house purely to flip it. So they renovated it and we moved in. So right. it's it's had a big facelift, yeah, the last couple of years. So it could have stirred up things. But I... In my gut, I don't think that what we, the terrifying thing that we experienced was from the house. I don't think it was human. Like I don't, I don't believe that that was a human's energy that would make such a horrible feeling, you know, call me nuts or (laughs) it's just, I don't think that it was, it just felt like pure, pure evil. Hmm. And that's why it was, um, it was so nice to feel pure good for a week afterwards because it really blasted that feeling out of me. It was like it kind of flushed it out and it didn't have a hold on me anymore sort of thing. Did the spiritual healer do anything with Chase or was it just with yourself? Nope. He, she did do with my partner though. He went um, and saw her two weeks later and had a healing as well. But he didn't, ex- you know, I'm thinking he's going to experience what I experienced. And I said to him the other day, we are talking about this, the whole I thought you were going to do this or feel this like I did. And I said, I was literally saying, you know, hold on to your nuts, hubby, you're in for a ride. (laughs) This woman's going to just, well, you know, blow you, blow your mind. And it didn't happen, which was a bit like, he did feel some weird stuff on the table. Like he, and he's, he's one of the most sensible, he is the most sensible person I've ever met in my life. So he's not someone that would go into descriptive, oh, it felt like this and it, he just had a, a like a vision of a spider on his shoulder that was frantically running around and I think it disappeared into his, like ran into his mouth and disappeared into a sore tooth. And it took him no. weeks to tell me this and I looked at him cockeyed like, what? Like <laughs> yeah, no was doubt. it a real spider? Was it, was it really there? And he went, I don't know. Like I'm not sure if it was really there or if I just kind of, I don't know. <laughs> just, that that just would have appeared. freaked me out. I'd have been out, the, out of that office as quick as you can blink yeah <laughs> he's a bit better with spiders than I am but yeah he couldn't actually say he didn't want to say that it was you know something that it was an energy spider or god knows what spider he was like I don't know if it was there or not that's as best I can do and I went okay that's interesting where are you at now in terms of the activity in the house how is everything now today well everything now is it's beautiful as I said, this experience just was such a mind-blowing thing that I dedicated or have dedicated now, just kind of happened the last year to understanding energy healing and I've become a Reiki master myself. Excellent. 
I work, you know, not tirelessly, but I work on the energy of the house and make, I don't, I'm not like a fanatic that goes around. Um, I don't, I don't need to burn sage and stuff all the time. I have done it in the house, but I don't feel like I need to, or, but yeah, I'm constantly monitoring the house for, for anything that feels a bit yucky, but we haven't seen or heard or felt anything as negative as, as was before. And the extent of it these days is just chase waving and pointing at the thing on top of the the cupboards in the kitchen or the corner of the lounge room and the frequency of that is starting to really lull at the moment and I'm, I'm actually in our old house that we're renovating so I'm not talking about these things while they're floating around listening to yeah. me hopefully right. but yeah. yeah so it's it's not it's it's not not happening but it's it's nothing that we feel like anything that we need to to leave or and the house actually feels lovely and it's nothing that Chase seems to be concerned about now if he's waving at it. Yeah, definitely not. Like, absolutely. And he's and that's the one thing I think that would get us out of the house, you know, before anything else is if we thought that he was being, just was being made fit to feel uncomfortable by anything, we'd be straight out of there. But just a happy little groover that's kind of got some chipped teeth at the moment. But he's, oh, he's still happy despite that at the moment. But, yeah, he's, and the teen doesn't hear anything. The teen, his name's Roland. He doesn't have any problem there. He's always got his mates staying the night. So yeah, no one's no one feels funny in the house, and no one else has reported any you know footsteps or haven't heard anything crazy like that. And it all it all real that stuff. The really audible every all the noises stopped as soon as yeah we saw Annetta and the lady's name was. So yeah, that was it was just crazy for me because I just. I mean, I believed in ghosts. I didn't believe it would happen to me and I didn't for a second think that I would experience something so intense from both ends of the spectrum, you know, like, yeah. it's And it does just throw your whole belief system into absolute turmoil briefly until you work out that it's okay yeah. to believe these things happen and it's okay to, to own it when it does happen and do something about it which I'm glad I did, like beyond words. Brilliant. I mean, it's nice to hear there's a happy ending. If other people want to learn a little bit more about you and what you do and maybe a little bit more about the story, is there any way they can get in contact with you? Oh, well, they can always drop me a line on Instagram. Yeah, that's probably the most direct way to, to do it. So that's, sorry, living underscore haunted, all in lowercase, obviously, yeah. yeah. I think everything has to be lowercase on Instagram. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'd be more than happy to, to talk about it with um, anyone that's interested to to learn more about it or maybe even anyone that's had an experience that this resonates with and they just want to share that. I love meeting people that, are, yeah, that have had this sort of stuff happen. And you said that you're a Reiki master now as well. So do you have a website or anything that you'd like to promote while we're at it? Not yet. I think I'm going to tune my skills a bit further. It's it's just such a fascinating thing. And, yeah, it'll probably be happening in the next two years. I think I'll start extending beyond my friends and my family for Reiki treatments once I really, yeah, know, know everything there is to know about it. But it's it's amazing. Like it really is an amazing sort of thing and I guess it's not a stretch to think you know if we've got energy running around in the form of people that have passed or you know god forbid the even worse stuff and there's energy governing all of us it's just it's to me it's just logical sense now that you know that it's it's all relative and energy healing is as prevalent as ghosts 
yeah no absolutely agree absolutely agree listen thank you very much for spending your time with us today we really appreciate it and it was really interesting hearing about hearing about your story and and certainly hearing that it had a happy ending and that thankfully you know there was no one sort of hurt damaged by it to any great extent and maybe as as you said you've had something lifted off of you now that has been maybe suppressing you for a long time so who knows now what you can achieve and, and where you can go from here stay tuned huh let's <laughs> yeah and, and on that note do it. and on that note do if, if anything else happens please get back in touch with us you've got our contact details get back in touch with us and, and you know we'd love to hear about it Look, and thank you for letting me chat your ears off for all this time. And, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful to talk. No problem at all. Stay safe. Thank you very much. You too. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? At what point would you leave the house? Because we've had stuff going on here, haven't we? We've had the items thrown off the top of the cupboard. We've had footsteps going up and down the stairs. You had that thing when you were at home on your own where the wet dishcloth that you'd left on the draining board that was wet so it was heavy you then went in there it was in, in a perfect on. little teepee it had been made into a teepee yeah so i mean at what stage would you have left the house well i think as soon as it gets physical i would have to leave if there was something in this house that could hurt me yeah physically hurt me i would have to go but anything that hurt bryce i would just be like that's it we gotta go yeah, I mean, luckily nothing happened to Chase, a yeah. young lad, so that's that's pretty cool. It was interesting, off air we spoke to Harmony afterwards and we mentioned the fact that, been brought up a couple of times on previous shows, that who would you call if something really started to happen? Would you go to a priest? And it's quite interesting, in this case, she didn't go to a priest, she went to a spiritual healer, and we know of cases, don't we, which we yeah. looked into before, where people have gone to a priest, and then the experiences have escalated. So maybe that is the way forward. We'd be interested to learn from any of our listeners if you've been in a similar situation and maybe the priest situation has helped or maybe you have gone to a spiritual healer as well. Get in touch with us, weirdwackywonderfuloutlook.com. The thing is, if you bring a priest into your house because you think there's something evil in your house, you're going to piss it off, you're going to provoke it. But if you bring a spiritual healer into the house, maybe it isn't just the person that you're soothing or treating or whatever you want to call it when you go. Maybe a ghost or a spirit or whatever it is. I'm I'm not saying like something totally evil, the devil or something. But something that was once human. That's a lot less threatening because... You're bringing in this healer. The healer's not saying you have to leave. The healer is saying get off of this person because they don't like it. Yeah. You can stay here if you want to, wander around, do whatever, but that's her spot, that's her space. You shouldn't be there. And that would come across a lot less threatening, in my opinion. If you bring a priest in and the spirit or ghost or whatever you want to call it was once human but they weren't Catholic, you're going to piss them off. <laughs> and yeah. they're going to go, well, you know, kiss my ass. I'm going to, I'm going to start breaking your stuff now. I'm going to. So because of being a spiritual healer, it's not really so religious, is it? Well, it's the not interesting really... thing is, is that the spiritual healer didn't go into her house, did it? The, no, that's They what I'm went saying. to her. Yeah. So the entity, if the entity was staying in the house, let's just say, for instance, the entity was still at the house while she was away getting treated at this 
spiritual healer, then maybe what the spiritual healer did was remove an attachment, as she said, but also maybe somehow amplified her own spirit, Harmony's own spirit. To make so it that, stronger. Yeah, so that when she went back into the house, the entity in there thought, screw this, there's no way I'm going to calm it down now because she's, you know, she's been to the gym, but the, the spiritual yeah, gym. Yeah, but the other thing is, if she has an attachment and it's on her all the time, then it went to the Reiki healer too. Yeah, correct, yeah. And maybe that spirit thought, well, wait, I'm not trying to scare her. But she heard multiple voices when she was in the bathroom at that point. So maybe there was one on her and the conversation, because she said it was as if there was a conversation going on and one said, let's try schizophrenia or let's give schizophrenia a try, shall yeah. we? Then maybe the attachment on her was different from other attachments that were in the house and maybe what she was experiencing was conflicts between the the two or maybe more than two because there was lots of voices and also potentially the ghost or the spirit of the previous occupant of the house who's now in their cooking sausages which is quite really when you think about it that's quite a homely sort of thing to do isn't it cooking food for the family etc mm. etc et so maybe that's why chase her son is now feeling quite secure and waving at it and maybe thinking of it as a friendly figure well i wish somebody would come here and make me some sausages and bacon that's, and that's my cue to get the frying pan on ladies Eggs. and gentlemen <laughs> i'll be all right with that yeah i got pancakes i'll do some pancakes next you know ghosts if you come to make me breakfast make sure it actually appears so i can eat it oh and while you're at it you could make the calories disappear that would be good <laughs> so that way i could eat anything yeah, we would all like that. Yeah. Well, people, we've come to the end of the show. As always, don't forget you can connect with us via Instagram. We are Weird Wacky Wonderful Podcast. On Twitter, we are at the WWW Podcast. And our website is www.weirdwackywonderful.co.uk. And you can get in touch with us on there should you wish to do so via our contact page. And other than that, please remember to stay weird, weird wacky, wacky, and wonderful. wonderful. Bye.